Welcome to Storytime with Paul Doerr. This season of the podcast includes excerpts via live shows and in-studio recordings from my new book, I'm Leaving It, and other stories. Some of the stories are true and some are not. I'll let you figure it out. But they all hopefully have my trademark charm, wit, and profound wisdom. Purchase your copy of the entire book in paperback, ebook, or audiobook form at all major online booksellers. I also write a monthly newsletter that is both fun and insightful. To subscribe to the newsletter or for further information about the book, please visit pauldor.com. Today's story, Taxi Driver. Outside a discount grocery store, I stood freezing my ass off. I was heading to the west end of the city, not west end downtown, further than that, much further, past where the streetcars stopped running. I had a meeting scheduled, one of those kinds of meetings that you wonder why you agreed to it, and right up to when it happens, you're trying to get out of it. My plan was to hop on a streetcar, ride it directly to the end of the line, and jump in a taxi from there. The end of the line was in the middle of nowhere, with no cab in sight. And exactly what everyone else in the world thought Canada was like all the time. One of those cold days you barely kept it together outside. With the grocery store as my North Star, I headed towards it. The idea being I could pretend to be shopping for groceries while I called for a cab. Inside, I arranged for a taxi and kept watch loitering around the legumes. A taxi came speeding down the entrance and stopped right in front of the grocery store. I ran outside, and the driver put down the passenger side window and asked, Are you Carl? Now, every once in a while, we are fortunate to be present in a specific moment in time, a moment where our life could change, could continue on our usual trajectory, or go off in an unknown direction. I thought about the meeting I was trying to get to and how much I didn't want to go. Added to this, the ridiculously cold weather. Plus, there was only so much loitering I could do before having to buy something. So I made a decision. He asked again, Are you Carl? And I said, Yes. From the back seat, I watched the driver plug in some coordinates into his GPS, and we were off. Somewhere at the grocery store was someone named Carl waiting for a taxi. My bones were frigid, about ready to crack. Besides, he could take my taxi when it got there. I didn't know where we were going, and I didn't care. At that moment, in that taxi, I was Carl. We reached our destination of what looked like a conference center, and a woman came running towards the car. She thrust the door open and asked desperately, Are you Carl? I nodded, she paid for my taxi, and ushered me inside. They are already in waiting for you. 
When we got inside, she slapped one of those Hello, my name is name tags on my chest. Carl was printed in black Sharpie. Those moments I spoke of earlier come every once in a while, but here I already had another chance. As I walked into that packed conference center, I thought about Carl. Usually, I am plagued by anxiety, bouts of depression, and have a list of insecurities a mile long. In social situations, especially network-type events, I can be awkward and often the weird guy standing off in the corner. Not Carl. Carl was confident. He was charming and charismatic. He knew how to handle a crowd and had no problem being appropriately personal. People knew when Carl entered a room and when he left, they talked about him. Carl's a man that got noticed. On my way up to the stage, at least 10 people stopped to introduce themselves to me. Men, at least 10 years my senior, slapped me on the back. My head was high, and I felt for one of the first times in my life what it was like to be comfortable with yourself. As the woman who first met me went up on stage to introduce me, I suddenly realized that I was the keynote speaker for whatever this conference was about. But I wasn't scared because Carl didn't get scared. Carl ate fear for breakfast. The conference was a gathering of people in all forms of media. Well, it just so happened that I was very familiar with this subject. She introduced me to a roar of applause, and I stepped up to the microphone. You should have heard the dramatic pause I took. I let the air be sucked out of the room, but not out of fear or nervousness, out of anticipation of the profound talk that was about to happen. I can't exactly remember everything I said, but I spoke about the positive parts of our business, the growth and the exciting new opportunities coming our way. I also talked about how we could get better, that we had a long road ahead of us, but together we would achieve success. By the end of that speech, I had the crowd in the palm of my hands. They were cheering and clapping as I stepped off the stage. It's not about what you said, but how you said it. The real Carl popped into my head. I wondered if he waited in front of that grocery store, and a taxi pulled up, and the driver said, Are you Paul? And Carl, being cold and impatient, took the taxi and stepped into my life. Maybe he had that same kind of moment, but for him, he got my anxieties and insecurities. And just as I thought this was a fair trade-off, as my adoring public was shaking hands with me, I walked from the stage and saw him enter the conference room. The woman that introduced me was talking to him and pointing at me. She knew that he was the real Carl, and the three of us shared an intimate moment of confusion and recognition in that crowded room. I felt my head lower, my shoulders went round, and I couldn't look anyone in the eyes. I slipped through my cheering and adoring public, out a side door and back, into the cold. I called for a taxi, and when he showed up, he put down the passenger side window and asked, Are you Paul? To which I replied, somewhat defeated, yes. This new taxi was one of those van taxis which made it all the sadder, getting an entire van to myself. Where should I sit? Window or aisle? The side door slid open, and I jumped inside. It was getting late. I just wanted to get home. I grumbled the intersection of my place, but we still weren't going anywhere. 
Carl wouldn't have put up with this, but I'm not Carl. Is there a problem? I asked. The driver fiddled with his phone and finally turned and handed it to me. Here, he said, put in the address and we'll find it. Wasn't his job to know where we're going? He had a phone that was unknown to me and I couldn't figure it out. I crawled into the front passenger seat and said, just drive, I'll show you where to go. I'm sorry, he said, I just moved here and this is my first night on the job. Ask me to go anywhere in Ottawa and I could take you there. Toronto? This city is a maze. It's not so bad, really, I said. It's more of a grid, and if you figure out north and south and east and west, you'll get it. I told him I'm from Ottawa, and he knew the exact intersection of my childhood home. He told me he was going to business school during the day, driving at night. Toronto was intimidating him a little. We reached my place, I paid and got out. Through the windshield, I watched him as he fiddled some more with his phone, trying to figure out his next destination. I walked back, opened the passenger side door. This is a strange suggestion, but would you be interested in me driving around with you for the night and helping you get around? The driver's shoulders dropped with relief, and he nodded furiously. Our first stop was Bloor and Christie. Okay, I said. Up Shaw, east on Dundas, then north. It's one way up to Bloor, so we have to double back. On the way, I told him how I used to live in an apartment near Christie Pitts Park. It was above a bar, and one night we heard a loud crash. Someone had been thrown through the front window of the bar and lay on the sidewalk covered in broken glass. The thrower, we assumed, jumped through the shattered window and started punching the guy in the face. The bartender yelled, The police are on the way. We dropped off our passengers at Davenport and Ossington. I took the driver on a little trip east to an office building that I spent many years working in. They used to construct Model Ts in this building until it changed hands and became a peanut factory. I learned just about every fundamental element of storytelling in that building. Two young men flagged us down, and we drove all the way to Dufferin and College. If you could believe it, they walked right into another apartment that I lived in. This was where I fell in love for the first time solidified a friendship that became one of the most important relationships of my life. We got a call for a pickup on Roncesvalles, near High Park. Go west, they said, and we did. After our pickup, I told the taxi driver about when I lived down the street. It was here where I fell in love for the second time. Actually, when I thought about it, it was the last time I fell in love. There had been people since, but nothing like that feeling at that time. I told him about how I was fiddling around in my apartment the other day, and it dawned on me, on that particular date. I marked a different kind of anniversary, the anniversary of when that relationship ended four years ago. Four years. That was about 1,460 days, and nothing since then had been as good, as real, as deep. It wasn't even her anymore. She had faded from my memory and been somewhat idealized in my head. It felt genuine at the time. I remember elements of it being real. I guess I had just been lonely. My small apartment seemed so empty, especially when I thought of 1,460 days of being single. That's a lot of days. I had music or a podcast playing in the background at all times, even when I was reading. I couldn't bear how silent it was. My thoughts spiraled down too far, too quickly. I directed the taxi driver up to Dufferin and Lawrence. 
When I lived up here, I went into a self-imposed exile, removed myself from everything, learned how to be alone, learned how to be away from people, isolated myself from others, from me. In some ways, even though I got myself out of it, got back to the world of people and friends and family, I never fully brought down those walls. As the sun rose over the horizon and his shift was ending, we drove in silence south to my place. Sitting in the idling van, I went over with him some last-minute ideas of how I eventually navigated my way through the city. The CN Tower is south, the 401 is north, the rest was easy, the rest could be figured out. What couldn't be figured out was what happened on those streets, in those houses, behind closed doors. Being a person is messy. Sometimes I forgot about all the details of what happened across all those homes. I got sad sometimes, thinking of how I might have missed out on things, made the wrong decisions. Regrets. Time travel. Not live in the past, but revel in the people that have come and gone, what they've given me, what perhaps I'd given them. The things I had seen. Not everything was good, not everything was to my taste, but when I had been able to be open, truly be open, open my heart and my mind and my eyes, to be inside a moment and to truly be awake in that moment, even those split decisions that changed everything, that changed the trajectory of my life in a way that might not seem reasonable at first, but only at first, because with time, perhaps that decision changed everything and led me to places that I couldn't imagine that I had no projection of in my mind's eye, or my imagination, or could have possibly been caught in that space right between my eyes and eyebrows. Those places we ventured to tonight, these weren't just places to sleep or to eat. They were places where I fell in love, cried my heart out, laughed my ass off, shared moments with others that were lodged in my brain, forgotten and only remembered when I saw the front doors of houses I used to live, front porches and backyards, windows I could look through from the outside and peek in and see the ghosts of the people I lived with and see spirits that looked like me. I waved to the taxi driver as he pulled away. He'd be okay. He'd figure out how to navigate this city with all its ghosts lurking behind closed doors. Me? That's another story. Thank you for listening. Again, if you'd like to purchase a copy of I'm Leaving It or any of my other books, they are available at most online booksellers. The live performances were originally performed and recorded at the monthly storytelling event Stories We Don't Tell. To learn more about Stories We Don't Tell, head over to storieswedonttell.org. For everything else, please visit halldoor.com.